truly. The tales and songs fall utterly short of your enormity, O oh Smaug, the stupendous. We are the dwarves of Elabor. We have come to reclaim our homeland. I offer you my help. How do we know he won't betray us? We don't. There is no king under the mountain, nor will there ever be. Legolas has grown very fond of you. Do not give him hope where there is none. You have no right to enter that mountain. I have the only right. I found something in the Goblin Tunnels. What did you find? My courage. You'll need it. Desolation of Smog in Real D 3D and IMAX 3D December 13th. Hello everyone, this is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. This will be podcast 466 for December 8th, 2013, and we're back with a normal, regular type of show after a few weeks of uh, crazy, fun, different things. Last week, uh, you had Chris and Brian here with a look at the EU from Star Wars, which was a lot of fun and and really cool to listen to. You know, there's so many Star Wars EU books out there. I have to hand it to them for um, taking on some, uh, you know, such a big subject. So thanks, guys, for that. Uh, Of course, the week before that, or actually just it was released just a few days before that, I put out the video cast about Austin Comic Con, which was a lot of fun. I'll probably talk a little bit more about that maybe today on, on the show. And But uh, this week, we're going to be looking at a Deep Space Nine episode. going to do some com- commentary as I watch it. Uh, this is from Season 5. It's called By Inferno's Light, and uh, I think it'll be fun. I, I'm looking forward to that uh, doing a, a commentary on a DS9 episode. It's been a while since that uh uh, I've been able to do one of those, so um, talk about some other news and things, talking about, uh, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek, and, and, and whatever else geeky topics going on. Oh, and there's this new uh, Hobbit uh, Part 2 movie, The Desolation of Smog, or Smog, or Smug. I, you know, they say that Smog, I always call, it, call the dragon Smog, uh, but, you know, uh, it, it's funny how the different accents in the, in the film clips that I've been seeing uh, put it a little differently, but... Uh, I played a little uh, TV spot trailer uh, for that movie, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that on today's uh, Treks in Sci-Fi. I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. We are the men in black. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the future of war. Resistance is futile. Straight flows from the force, but beware of the dark side. Iron Man, that's kind of catchy. It's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate. It's a gold titanium alloy. I'm sorry, Dave. 
I'm afraid I can't do that. This is uh, Reach Cole, and you're listening to Treks and Sci-Fi. Okay, folks, I'm back, and uh, I hope everyone's doing well out there. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're deep into now the, the holiday season of buying and shopping and frenzy and just got through Thanksgiving in the United States, and now it'll be uh, Christmas in about two and a half weeks. Yeah, so uh, lots of things going on out there, and uh, I'm still kind of in a, in a con-high phase or... or or whatever you want to call it, from going to Austin Comic Con a couple of weeks ago. Seems, sometimes I think about it and it seems like it was a long time ago, and sometimes it seems like I just got back. But uh, partly because I had a work trip the following week uh, also, uh, so that kind of made has made time kind of go by quickly. I had to go to uh, Nashville for a few days for work. But, uh, yeah, Austin Comic Con was just fantastic. I, I talked about it, of course, on the video cast that uh, is over on Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O. If you just go to Vimeo slash Trekkie, that's my username over there. That's basically where I release the video cast. I, I'm going to do that, I think, for from now on for video cast. I just, I find that, uh, you know, going through these editing programs and I spend a couple of days putting it all together and then trying to compress down sort of an HD version of it to a, to some kind of reasonable download size and even then, they tend to be pretty big. Uh, it, it just, I, I, I hate doing it because it, it just really doesn't make it look very good anymore. And the file sizes are so big. So what I'll probably do is is do what I did on this last one is, is direct you to the link for the vidcast. We're going to have another one actually in a couple of weeks for our Secret Santa uh, exchange. That'll be towards the end of this month. So uh but it was a lot better to do it that way and could put a lot of clips and pictures. I'm going to probably do a few other things still from uh, Austin Comic Con. Maybe over the holidays I'll put together a couple other short little videos, uh, maybe with some music and things like that. Nothing nearly as elaborate as I already did, but I uh, hope everyone gets a chance to watch that. I, I think you'd enjoy it a lot. And uh, The convention was great. Seeing everyone was fantastic. I, I just can't say enough uh, good things about how everybody how nice everyone was and and how much fun I had and really looking forward to uh to doing it again either down in Austin or who knows maybe someplace else uh, I think one time it would be really cool if we could all uh, go to that uh big trek con in Vegas that's every pretty much every August I, I think uh, I've, I haven't been to Vegas in forever and I, I think that one would be a lot of fun to go to uh, it's it's huge. You know, the nice thing, one of the things I, I don't know if I even mentioned on the vidcast, but one of the cool and nice things about the Austin Comic Con compared to some something like San Diego Comic Con or, or New York Comic Con is there's there's quite a few people but it's it's much much more reasonable than the the stuff you see from those other huge conventions in terms of just crowds and people um i kind of like it that way i i don't you know there's there's this sort of middle ground happy place i think for convention sizes that they they get so huge that i i don't know if you have as much fun it's it's so much, you know, crunching of people and standing in huge, huge lines. And there are a few little lines at, at uh, in Austin, but nothing, you know, nothing at all like those other cons have. So, uh, so that I, I really appreciate it. I, I'm much more of a middle of the middle size type con person, I think, than one of those huge things. Even though I keep saying and keep saying that uh, over and over that uh, I need to get out to uh, San Diego, San Diego Comic Con one year just just to experience it and. But I, I think if I do that, if I do one of the a huge con like that, I, I don't think I'll do the all the costume stuff and, and everything that we did uh, in Austin. That it, it's 
I think you kind of do one or the other. I don't I don't know if you could do both. I guess you could just wear a costume and walk around the con, but I'm more into uh, I think it's more fun to have a group and and have a you know, takes a lot of group pictures and, and hang out mostly with them. I think if you're in costume singly by yourself, I don't I don't think it's nearly as much fun. So anyway, enough about that. I, I talked about it all uh, on the vidcast, so you can uh, tune in and, or watch that uh, at your leisure uh, on Vimeo. What else has been going on in the geek world? Of course, The Hobbit. We've got The Hobbit 2, The Desolation of Smog. Is there really the 2 in the title? I don't think, I think it's just called The Hobbit, Desolation of Smog, isn't it? Um, but uh, yeah, that's coming out next, I guess this Friday, the 13th, Friday the 13th. And, uh, you know, I've, I've said, you know, uh, a couple of times that, the, you know, they, they put so much extra in these movies. I, I almost call them Lord of the Rings prequels rather than The Hobbits. And I was kind of a little bit down on that to a degree uh, at different times. But I'm really looking forward to uh, to this second film uh, in this series. I enjoyed the first one last year. And uh, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the ride. I'm going to try to see it in a big IMAX theater. Uh, it'll probably be 3D again. Because it's you know those two go hand in hand, but uh, I love the IMAX theaters and the experience there, and uh, and the, this just movie looks a lot of fun. I mean, they got Legolas back in it. Evangeline Lilly is this new elf uh, Tal- Talia, I think is her name, something like that. Talia, uh, w- which she looks fantastic as an elf. There's no denying that. So I, even though she's a new character, was never in the Hobbit, uh, but. Uh, it's uh you know peter jackson is obviously putting his own stamp on this whole thing and that that's cool i'm fine uh enjoy it and sit back and you can always read the book and and see what that version and experience of the hobbit is if you haven't read it i I highly suggest and recommend it it's it's not a very long book it's not complicated Uh, i think you could read the book faster than once all three of the three of these movies are out uh how long you know you'll have about a probably with extended versions, you know, 11, 12 hours worth of movie. I think you could read the book faster than that. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, this will be a lot of fun. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I haven't seen anything else at the theater in a long time. It's been almost a month. I think the last movie I went out to see was Thor. Uh, I haven't, uh, you know, been busy with other things. And also, uh, I haven't seen Catching Fire yet. We're, we're probably going to go, Lynn and I are probably going to go later today to see that. So I'm looking forward to seeing that second Hunger Games movie. I, I've read the book, so I kind of know what's going to happen uh, already, but uh, I do want to see the movie. So uh, yeah, I haven't gone to the movies in a, in a little while. So yeah, it'll be good. Good to see The Hobbit. Uh, good to see Catching Fire uh, later on today. I'm going to, I think, what else? I, I don't think I wanted to I, I cover a few Trek stories and a little bit about Star Wars. Um, oh, did you hear that they built a full-size Millennium Falcon for the movie? Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. I, I, I mean, I'm assuming that the Millennium Falcon will be uh, a pretty big part of the movie or will be in there more than for three seconds. So uh, to build a full-scale version of that uh, ship is, is is crazy impressive. I mean, that's just, uh, it's nuts to me almost. Uh, so, uh, but it's cool. And, and I, and I certainly would think Harrison Ford, you know, even though I don't think technically or officially that they've released, you know, that, that, uh, Mark Hamill or Carrie Fisher or Harrison Ford are officially in the movie. I don't know if they've even said that yet, but, uh, of course they will be, you know, come on. So, uh, and, and a not sure even when I podcasted last, I think I talked about it. Yeah. You know, they've released the, the, the release date or they've, yeah, they've released the release date. They've announced the release date. 
of being uh, December 2015. So about two years away right now. So, uh, hey, start filming, J.J. Abrams. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to take a short break here. During this break, I'm going to play Vartok sent in another music moment to play. Uh, so I'm going to play that, uh, and then I will be back. So uh, I'll talk to you in a few. This is Vartok again with another Treks in Sci-Fi Music Moment. One soundtrack and a few words. For today's moment, I'm going to talk about track number two to the 2003 sci-fi miniseries, Children of Dune, titled, main title, House Atreides. The composer for Children of Dune was Brian Tyler, an A-list composer you may not have heard much about, but undoubtedly will more and more. Brian has an amazing 96 credits on the IMDb, although he is only 41 years old, and he is deserving of an entire Treks and Sci-Fi guest podcast. He only started composing for film and TV in 1997, with his big break scoring for the film Frailty in 2003. Some of his most current work that you are familiar with includes Thor, The Dark World, Iron Man 3, Transformers Prime, the Expendables franchise, Battle Los Angeles, and TV series such as Sleepy Hollow, Hawaii Five-O, Terra Nova, and also a number of video games. The soundtrack for Children of Dune reached number four on the Amazon album charts. Only one minute and 37 seconds long, the main title track is short and potent. Music from the Children of Dune soundtrack has subsequently been used in a number of theatrical trailers, including Master and Commander, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Witch, The Lion, and the Wardrobe, Cinderella Man, Kung Fu Panda, The Golden Compass, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and even the 2009 Star Trek. I have chosen the track main title, House Atreides, because of the way it ennobles your spirit and brings forth an inner power. See if you don't agree.
I hope you enjoyed that music and sci-fi music moment. And now back to you, Rico. All right, thank you, Vartok, for another cool music moment. Uh, yeah, those are uh, really great to play. I, I, I really appreciate that. And let's see, let's move on to some uh, Trek news, a couple of things. A recent announcement, uh, they've added a couple of new writers to the writer's pool, I guess, for the new or the next Star Trek movie, the third one uh, in the J.J. Abrams sort of version of Trek. Uh, this, uh, it's I don't think it's completely 100 percent official but it was a story in the hollywood reporter uh there's two new writers that uh have been added in uh this basically uh they'll be joining roberto orsi uh alex kurtzman and damon lindloff are not going to be uh, working i guess on the, the script and the story for this next movie we're going to have two new guys uh, jd Payne and patrick mckay they're pretty young. Uh, they guess they they wrote a script adapting the graphic novel Boilerplate in 2011 for Bad Robot. So there's a relationship there with JJ's production company. Um, but uh, they're going to be involved. Uh, these guys look like uh, they're about 25 years old each or so. So I'm not sure if they're you know Star Trek fans have a lot of background in it uh, or or what, but. Uh, so these two guys, along with Roberto Orsi, will be working on the next Star Trek film. You know, I don't think they've really completely officially announced it, but um, they keep talking about uh, Paramount and uh, Skydance are hoping to have the film ready for their 2016 release, which would be the 50th anniversary of Star Trek uh, since it began in 1966. So I think it's pretty likely that's what we're going to get. Uh, it's, you know, now probably two and a half, three years away. It, it probably would not come out in the big monster movie year of 2015 with everything else that'll be out that year. Uh, I think 2016 sounds like a better plan to me. It's unfortunate, you know, it's going to be another three-year span between movies. Well, actually, what was it? Um, a four-year span, and then now it's going to be a three-year span. So it's one year, one year less than, you know, we had 2009 to 2013, now 2013 to 2016. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I'm glad that they're, you know, talking about it and it's pretty obvious they will do another one. They're talk that they're going to try to reduce the budget. So we may get a tighter movie, a more uh, personal kind of movie, a less epic universe shattering Earth's going to be destroyed kind of a movie. I, I think people would like to have something very original, uh, very unique and, and so forth. I wouldn't mind them returning to deal with the Klingons a little bit. I, I think that might be interesting. Uh, maybe even, uh, you know, some forms of, you know, trying to become peaceful sooner with the Klingons than they were able to do in our universe with, you know, during the TOS era. Uh, but, uh, yeah, well, who knows? Who knows what'll happen? So, uh, but it's coming. I'm sure we'll be getting something in a few years. And I still believe, even though there's been a lot of rumors about a Star Trek series, I still believe we won't see anything until uh, this other movie comes out, which, you know, years and years away. I could be wrong. They could, you know, who knows? We could get a TV series before the next movie, possibly. But uh, we will see. We will see on uh, on all that. Um, we've got uh, the recent release of Star Trek The Next Generation Season 5 on Blu-ray. Uh, I picked it up. I haven't had it really had a chance with everything else going on. Uh, it just came out on the 19th of November in North America, at least. We've also got a Unification Blu-ray that's available. Uh, season 3 of Enterprise, it'll be coming out in January. 
uh, on Blu-ray. I, I did finally get season one of Enterprise on Blu-ray because they reduced the price on Amazon. I don't know if it's still reduced. It was going on during the Thanksgiving holiday. I think it was reduced to around 43 or $44, a lot less than the 70 what was it, 78 or 79 than it was normally, like a $30 or more reduction in price. I just, it's amazing to me that they, they can do that. And, uh, you know, are they still making money at that point? You know, how much are they making when they sell a, a DVD or Blu-ray set, sorry, at, at, at $80? Are they making like double the money, 40 bucks or something on it? Or when it gets down to 44, are they only making like a dollar or two? I, I don't know. It's interesting. So, um, so yeah, lots of things going on with Trek. Uh, let's segue over a little bit to uh, what I've been enjoying on television lately. I think the biggest thing, uh, two, two shows that I'm really enjoying a lot. Uh, one is a new one. One is uh, season two. Uh, first, Arrow. Uh, if, if you're a comic book fan and you've not watched Arrow, you really should be watching this series. It's the best. It's the, one of the best comic book adaptations to a TV series really ever. Uh, and it's certainly the best one on. I, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is is just not quite a comic book style show. I mean, it's more of a, it's, it's really more of an adventure action adventure kind of show. I mean, it's fun. I watch it and it's okay. But, uh, and, uh, but the arrow is just the one that's really, really got me going. I like the tomorrow people too. I guess that's sort of a fantasy, not really a comic book based on an old British TV show, but, uh, that one's okay. Uh, I'm still taking a little while to warm up to it. Uh, but the other show that's really cool with a Star Trek connection is a new show called Almost Human with Carl Urban as a future cop. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying this show a lot. The, the characters and the cast are great. The storylines have been interesting. And uh, the only little thing about this show, and I think I may have talked about this on a previous podcast, is I find the technology and, and, and the look of the show a little, a little bit uh, strange because sometimes you'll have... You know, some of the stuff that they show look very—it looks very current, current era. Even the cars don't look all that different. But then they show some high-tech computer stuff, and it's really advanced, or some kind of, some kind of gear or weaponry or something, or, or things that the um, the bad guys are using or whatever. So, uh, but it's a great show. It's really about the characters, and uh, and Carl Urban, who played, of course, McCoy in the last couple of Star Trek movies, is fantastic. Is great in this movie, and uh, I really liked it. Liked to see Carl get a lot more, uh, you know, uh, just movies and TV. I mean, this guy is really a natural, very charismatic, and uh, I, I just think he's he's. I'm glad to see that he's got a regular TV show. I'd love to see him do more movies. I thought he was good in Judge Dredd, but uh, I think it, it he actually had to turn off a lot of that natural charisma and charm for that movie. Uh, but uh, but I'd love to see him. I think he, he'd be great in like a romantic comedy even. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Hugh Jackman a little bit and that I think he's a guy who can do a lot of different things well. So, uh, uh, But, uh, yeah, watch that show, and uh, I think you'd enjoy it. I'm watching some other things too. Grimm is still, of course, a lot of fun, Big Bang Theory and so forth. So, um, all right, I am going to uh, get going now on to uh, this Deep Space Nine episode from Season, si- season, season 5. Yes, I, I can talk. I can talk. Uh, season 5, by Inferno's Light, and do some commentary on it. So uh, I'm going to queue it up, and we'll get to it right now. All right, we're about to get into by Inferno's Light here. And uh, one thing to mention this, this is actually the second part of a two-parter uh, that started for Deep Space Nine. It... Uh, 
the uh, the first part was in Purgatory Shadow. This is from season five, but I thought we'd take a shot at to doing the second part of it. And I believe at the very beginning of this, they're going to do a little, you know, what happened previously to fill you in. So here we go. Last time on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. One of our listening posts in the Gamma Quadrant picked this up a few minutes ago. It looks like a Cardassian military code, but the computer doesn't recognize it. It was a call for help from Inabrin Tain. We must warn the station. There is only one reason for the Dominion to hide such a large fleet this close to the wormhole. You think they're planning to attack the Alpha Quadrant? There's no way we can beat the Dominion. Our only hope is to prevent their fleet from entering the Alpha Quadrant. You're going to destroy the wormhole? You have to trust me. Things are going to change on Cardassia. What things? I don't have time to explain. You're leaving now. I can't go. It's him, isn't it? That despicable Taylor. You don't want to leave because you're waiting for him? This is internment camp 371. You are here because you are enemies of the Dominion. You're not my son. Now, Worf and uh, Garrick were captured by once in your life, the, uh, the Jem'Hadar. General Martok. The changeling that replaced me has caused the death of countless Klingons. It is a grave dishonor. I can only imagine what my replacement is up to on the station. Yeah, so Martok and Bashir have been replaced at this point by changelings. We're losing it. What happened? Someone sabotaged the emitter array. Battle stations. They tried to and knock out the wormhole, but there's now a huge uh, Dominion fleet coming through. Release stocking clamps. Clamps released. Shields up. Power so Kira and Dax are on the Defiant. Weapons ready. Bring us around. It's like basically a couple of runabouts that defiant to cling on uh, bird of prey against a lot of ships. Bird of prey is in position. <laughs> Maintain communications. It doesn't out. look so good. Nobody fires until we have our orders from Captain Sisko. There sure are a lot of them. That'll just make it harder for us to miss. They're still not responding to our hails. I think they're trying to intimidate us. It's working. I don't believe it. The Dominion ships are turning away from the station. They're laying in a new course. Heading. Straight for Cardassia. Ducat's ship is breaking formation. He's going after the Dominion fleet. Open a channel. Ducat, stop trying to be a hero. Get back to the station. Your concern is touching, Major. But I think you misunderstand me. I'm not attacking the Dominion fleet. I'm joining it. What are you talking about? I'm afraid I have a confession to make, Major. For the past few months, I've been conducting secret negotiations between the Dominion and Cardassia. And as of last week, uh -oh. Cardassia has agreed to become part of the Dominion. You can't be serious. Goodbye, Major. You and I on the same side. It never seemed quite right, did it? Lock phasers, open fire. Too late, he's gone. We 
Yeah, so at this stage, you know, they're, things are not looking good. You've got, uh, you know, a lot of allies and ships and, and people and everything in the Dominion fight against the, uh, against basically the Federation and the Klingons. And then you've got the uh, story going on with uh, with Worf, Bashir, Garrick, and Martok on this internment camp uh, going in, in kind of like a, the movie The Great Escape. Turn down the uh, music here a little bit. But I, I, I like these episodes a lot. I think there's a lot of rich you know, character stuff. There's a lot of good action going on in them. I think it's interesting to see you know, who's on which side and how that changes back and forth. And there's a, you know, a lot of uh, interesting moments in this episode too, especially being the second part of this two-parter. Uh, I read some comments about these uh, from some of the guys that worked on DS9 and the writers at the time and things. They, uh, they had said that they would have preferred maybe that they were able to make this a, a whole like two-hour movie in a way. Uh, rather than split it up in episodes. And I, I, I can see why they say that. Uh, you know, you kind of get going and then you have to break up a story and then bring it back into a, a second part. I think some episodes of Trek and other shows can work cleanly as a, as a two-parter. Uh, I think Best of Both Worlds actually works pretty well that way, for example. But other ones, I think it, the story doesn't have a very good break point. I mean, this one had an okay one, the place when they were trying to uh, knock out the wormhole, and then the fleet comes through, but uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, there was some commentary from the guys working on the episode that thought that it might have been better if it was all one big, uh, one big event. Now we're to this little internment camp here that's, uh, you know, they're in a cell. We've got uh, Martok, Worf, Garrick. Okay. And Bashir. used to contact the station. Where is it? It looks at this point, you know, Bashir has been here for a little while. He's kind of, you know, unshaved, kind of messed up looking. They're in this cell all together, and they're working on opening a panel to enable to get into like a, a, a very narrow area between the walls. You have to crawl through that hole and kind of slide your way up into the wall. It took him over a year to modify the old life support system into a transmitter. How did he operate it? He wired the message and the transmission coordinates directly into the system circuitry. That way all he had to do was connect the transmitter to the power grid and let it run. Could the coordinates and the message be changed? You're planning to contact the runabout. We could activate the transporter and beam ourselves onto the ship. And run like hell. Re-encoding the transmitter won't be easy. We'd have to reconfigure the array one circuit at a time. Can you do it? Me? I'm no engineer, neither is Mr. Warfare. You, on the other hand, my dear Mr. Garrick, are a man of many hidden talents. Hmm. If you can't do it, nobody can. It's nice to feel needed. All prisoners assemble immediately. I repeat, all prisoners assemble immediately. Yeah, Andrew Robinson, who plays Garrick, uh, interesting enough that uh, he's a little claustrophobic in real life, so this was a hard episode for him to do because of this time he had to spend in this little corridor wall area. So they've got all the prisoners lined up at this point. I am pleased to announce that hostilities between our peoples have ended. This is a Vorta, today, who's in charge. Has joined the Dominion. 
Therefore, you're all being sent home. Congratulations on your new status as Dominion citizens. Not you, Mr. Garrick. Excuse me? You're staying. Well, there must be some misunderstanding. The last time I checked, I was a Cardassian. But not a very popular one, I'm afraid. At least not with the head of the new Cardassian government. And who would that be? Gal Dukat. You might ask, should we fear joining the Dominion? And I answer you, not in the least. Gal Dukat's giving a speech on Cardassia Prime. The Dominion recognizes us for what we are, the true leaders of the Alpha Quadrant. And now that we are joined together, equal partners in all endeavors, the only people with anything to fear will be our enemies. My oldest son's birthday is in five days. To him and to Cardassians everywhere, I make the following pledge. By the time his birthday dawns, there will not be a single Klingon alive inside Cardassian territory or a single Maquis colony left within our borders. Cardassia will be made whole. All that we have lost will be ours again. And anyone who stands in our way will be destroyed. This I vow with my life's blood. Yeah, you big traitor. For all our sons. He just wants to go on the winning side. It's no dream. Well, I've got a vow to make, too. Next time I see Dukat, I'm gonna kill him. Right now, we have a more immediate concern, such as, who sabotaged our graviton emitters? Well, I don't know who it was, but they did a pretty thorough job. The emitters had the exact opposite effect of what we'd intended. They were supposed to collapse the wormhole spatial matrix and close it forever. Instead, they made the matrix even more stable. Not even trilithium explosives could destroy it now. So the Dominion can send reinforcements through the wormhole whenever they want. Looks like it's time for another round of blood screenings. Obviously, we have a changeling infiltrator on the station. Yeah, it's you. What makes you think it's a changeling? That's who I'd send. I think Julian's right. Odo tells me that a Bajoran maintenance engineer has been missing ever since the Dominion fleet arrived in the Alpha Quadrant. And if that was our changeling, he's either gone or assumed a new identity. We can't afford to take any chances. I want blood screenings and phaser sweeps. If he's out there, we've got to find him. It's funny how once you know that uh, that Julian, that Bashir is a, a changeling, how much they focus on time. him in these episodes. Garak, you know, he looks kind of like he of has around. little emotion. He's a member of the Obsidian Order. This it's uh, funny, a kind of, but. Interrogation chamber. Now Garrick's in here working on the uh, trying to get a no air, signal to the lighting, runabout. Electric shocks. It's perfect. Sounds like you're enjoying yourself. If you'd like, I'd happily trade places with you. I suppose you could give me a crash course in Cardassian field engineering. I should be ready to take over from you in what five or six weeks. Visitors. Quiet. So there's somebody coming, and they they close the panels, and Garrick's inside the um, the wall still.
its time. I'm ready. I've been looking forward to this. So have I. So they're taking Worf away to basically, you know, beat him up, you know, in interrogate him and everything. In Martok too, I think they take, yeah, yeah, he goes with him too. There's also a Vulcan in their cell, a Breen, I think. Give me a hand. Hold on, Garrick. Couple of Vulcans. Wait. The guys are still too close. Thing I don't really get about that scene is it's like, hey, where is the Cardassian? A while longer, Garrick. You know, when the guards walk in, it's like there's a guy not in there, and uh, I thought I would be fighting a Katika. I would not be so eager if I were you. This is his handiwork. He has much to answer for. Uh, his time will come. Now remember, every time you hit the ground, you must touch one of these posts, or else you forfeit the match. Today, we train against a worthy adversary. Observe, analyze, remember. Soon, we will face his people in combat. The lessons you learn here will ensure victory. Victory is life! Victory is life! So there's this sort of round uh, circle area that they're in with these posts. I think there's three posts around, and there's a, a Jem'Hadar and Worf inside this area. No weapons, of course, just hand-to-hand. -hand. Worf got a couple of shots, but he got knocked down by the Jem'Hadar here. This time, Worf knocked Jem'Hadar guy down. Now the guards move away a little bit as they are getting more interested in what's going on with Worf and the fight. Yeah, I forgot about the fight part. The uh, I thought they were just taking him away to interrogate him, but this is more fun. I always like the way Worf fights. thoroughly unpleasant. Always looks so disciplined and. I'm fine. It's just much hotter in there than I thought. I got a little lightheaded. Give me a minute, and I'll. Go back in there. No, you need more than a minute. Your pulse is racing. I don't want to think about your blood pressure. Maybe you should wait until tomorrow. Do you want to get off this hellhole You not? know I do. Then let me get back to work. Rest for five minutes. And from here on in, you can take a 15-minute break every hour. Doctor's orders. Now Worf knocks the, uh, the Jem'Hadar down pretty well. But he gets back up, and then you know, Worf knocks him down again. <laughs> was that the best you have to offer? He was our youngest and least experienced. I promise your next opponent will provide more of a challenge. Yeah, so uh, that doesn't sound so good since Worf, I mean, he beat him, but it, it wasn't super easy too. for him. Now it's Kira and Zayil, you know, Gart, or Gul Dukat's daughter here. Through and everything will be all right again. 
Maybe it will. My father says Garrick's dead. Right now, I wouldn't believe your father if he said rain was wet. I used to think my father was a hero. But even when he did something bad... This actress is uh, Melanie Smith playing Zayil. That's what's so frightening. People can find a way to justify any action, no matter how evil. You think my father's evil? I think... You can't judge people by what they think or say, only by what they do. Captain's Log, Stardate 50564.2. A large contingent of Klingon warships has arrived from Cardassian space, but its intentions, at least for the moment, remain unclear. We're being hailed. It's yeah, a lot of battle cruisers, Klingons. He's requesting permission to dock. Ah, They've it's Gowron. Ah, I love his eyes. I have the feeling the Klingons' war against the Cardassians has taken a turn for the worse. This is a dark day. Robert O'Reilly, of course, playing Gowron. for the Alpha Quadrant itself. So what are we going to do about it? I will do what must be done. Fall back. Pull my forces out of Cardassian space, fortify the Klingon Empire, and prepare for a fight to the death. There's ah. a better way. <laughs> Kitamar Accords. The treaty between the Federation and the Klingon Empire is dead. But we can bring it back to life again. This is the most fortified position between here and the Klingon Empire. There will be a Starfleet task force here soon. If you could bring your fleet here... Then we could stand united against the Dominion. And if we do, we might have a chance. Yes, yes. Come on, Gowron. You know. Think of it. Five years ago, no one had ever heard of Bejor or Deep Space Nine, and now all our hopes rest here. Where the tides of fortune take us, no man can know. So Gauron sort They're of tricky gave his thumbprint on the, uh, the the pad, so approval of being, you know, now the Klingons are in the fight. They're working together with the Federation against the Dominion and the Cardassians. So there's a chance at this point. Of course, this is pre-bringing uh, the Romulans into the fight as well, which uh, definitely was important. Now, um, the changeling Bashir, he's on a, uh, on a runabout, tapping into the controls, messing around with some things. What is he up to, I wonder? Worf's fighting again, of course. He's fighting another Jem'Hadar. Until tomorrow. 
<laughs> Worf, I'll be waiting. Worf's uh, looking a little, uh, God, little beat up. Ribs. Maybe four. They will heal. Not if you keep fighting, they won't. You're lucky you didn't puncture a lung. A body, even a Klingon body, can only take so much punishment. I will fight. It is the only honorable thing to do. He'll lose. And in this condition, he might even die. Then I will die. But I will not yield. You heard him. Bandage his ribs. So yeah, Worf's getting pretty I'm beat sorry, up. Garrett. But that's absolutely unacceptable. I'm under enough strain as it is. I can't have you quitting on me. Get a hold of yourself, Garrick. After all, you haven't had one of these attacks in years. Yes, this is a tight, enclosed space. Yes, there's not a lot of room to move, but a disciplined mind does not allow itself to be sidetracked by niggling psychological disorders like claustrophobia. Besides, this isn't like Sandcath. The walls won't collapse in on you. Your friends are nearby. There's plenty of air, so there's nothing to be concerned about. Focus on the job. You're the only person who can contact the runabout. People are depending on you. So yeah, is depending on you. You promised her you'd come back. And that young lady has had quite enough disappointments in her life without you adding to them. So control yourself. You're stronger than this. A disciplined mind. I'm afraid that's the best I can do. Does it feel any better? Much better. You're not a very good lion, Mr. Wolf. <laughs> Was that? So Garrick is kind of losing it inside the, wall. the, the wall. How long has he been in there? About half an hour. Garrick? Garrick, what is it? Tell him to stop before they hear him. Garrick, the panel's open now. You can come out. We've got to get him out of there. suffers from an acute form of claustrophobia. It's a wonder that he lasted as long as he did. Then one of us will have to finish reconfiguring the transmitter. And who would you suggest could do that? Exactly. If Garrick can't contact the runabout, we're not going anywhere. Now we're back on Deep the Space last Nine. The ships have arrived. I've got a big fleet of Klingons. Right Anywhere from Starfleet. Admiral Gilhuli's task force is less than four light years away. I will feel a lot better when they get here. You're not the only one. Captain. Yes, Major. I just spoke with Odo. Someone overrode the security blocks on the industrial replicator on level 17. Sounds like our saboteur. Did they catch him? 
No such luck. Do we know what he replicated? He wiped the memory core. Tell Odo I want all security details to pull double ships as of now. If he wants more men, have him talk to Gauran. I'm sure the Chancellor will be willing to assign some Klingon troops to guard key facilities. Klingons helping to protect Deep Space Nine. What an interesting concept. These are interesting times, Major. Captain, incoming message. It's Goldukat. In my office. Well, yeah, the, the traitor. Dukat. Please, Captain, show little respect. You are talking to the head of the Cardassian government. I don't recognize that government. Your recognition is irrelevant. Well, yeah, I don't think so. That's what you think. <laughs> Why are that's we fine. Whatever this conversation? Because the fact is, Captain, I feel a certain obligation toward you. After all, I freely admit you saved my life on more than one occasion. Don't remind me. No, no. You should be glad you did, because now I'm going to return the favor and give you a chance to save your precious Federation. All you have to do is convince them to follow Cardassia's example. You expect us to join the Dominion? I expect you to behave rationally. Joining the Dominion will save billions of lives and keep the Federation yeah, from I don't think so. the mists of history. By allowing it to exist under Dominion rule? No, thank you. I'm afraid you like the alternative even less. Ducat, if you have something to say to me, say it! Then I'll make it simple. A few days ago, I swore all Cardassia lost would be regained. That space station you're so fond of was built by Cardassia. Funny. I thought it was built by Bajoran slave labor. Either surrender the station, or I'll take it by force. The choice is yours. If you want to retake the station, Dukat, you are welcome to try. Yeah, you know, that's always kind of been a sore point with Gul Dukat, so... And seven victories! What hero of legend could have done as well? Heroes of legends don't ache so much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like Your war. Federation friends have taught you modesty. But this is no time for modesty. When we return to the Klingon Empire, I will seek out Kidera himself and tell him of your glorious tale. He will write a song worthy of you. Well, be sure to send me a copy. I'll do better than that. I can make sure that he mentions you, the healer that bound the warrior's wounds so he could fight again. Right now, the only part of the song that I wish to hear is the verse that tells of our escape. What good is defeating every Jemadar soldier in this compound if it does not bring us closer to our freedom? We have to come up with a new escape plan. That won't be necessary. The original one will work. I just have to finish what I started. After all, a verse about the Cardassian who panicked in the face of danger would ruin General Martok's song. That would be unfortunate. Now, if you'll excuse me, my dungeon awaits. Uh, I like Garrick. He's always one of my favorites on, uh, on Deep Space Nine. There is no greater enemy 
than one's own fears. It takes a brave man to face them. Yeah, this is uh, also the second time Bashir has been replaced with the Changeling. He was replaced in another one back in the episode The Adversary. Wasn't Lieutenant Chapar brought in here? The Klingon engineer? You just missed him. The plasma burns weren't as bad as they looked. I better go find him. I can't make head nor tail of the power relay systems on his bird of prey. We're never going to get all these Klingon ships up and running. I have every confidence in you, Chief. Now oh, that makes all the difference then, doesn't it? How are uh, Keiko and the kids? We made it safely to Bajor. I'm worried about Molly. She's getting old enough to know when something's wrong. I think she's scared. I have to be natural. It'll pass. Oh, by the way, I ordered two sets of those new duridium alloy darts I told you about. They should be here next week. Darts? We're facing a major interstellar war, and you're thinking about darts? Well, life must go on. Besides, I have a feeling things are going to turn out for the best. I hope you're right. Uh, it's like evil Julian asparagus here. Asparagus with yarmulke sauce. The last of my fresh asparagus, I might add. Not that I'll need to stock it anymore. Somehow I get the feeling there won't be much demand for human food once the Jem'Hadar have finished with this place. Aren't you being a little pessimistic? Am I? The Jem'Hadar don't eat, don't drink, and they don't have sex. And if that wasn't bad enough, the founders don't eat and don't drink, and they don't have sex either. Which, between you and me, makes my financial future less than promising. <laughs> I like Quark. Always, always so looking at the economics For of it. all we know, the Vorta could be gluttonous, alcoholic sex maniacs. I never thought of that. I wonder what their favorite food is. Good news. The Starfleet Task Force under Admiral Gilhooly has entered Bajoran space. Hope they know what they're in for. First they demand we come out here, then they make us wait. They're worthy fighters, but they have no sense of honor. Is there no Jemadar willing to face me? Fascinating. Even after all he's been through, the Klingon still thirsts for battle. Doesn't he ever tire of it? I never do. You fight because that is what you were designed to do. All that motivates him is some barbaric sense of honor. And that is something you will never understand. Prepare yourself. I found your worthy opponent. Where is he? Right in front of you. Victory is life. Today is a good day to die. Yeah, so this head, uh, <coughs> Jem'Hadar is gonna fight Worf now. I don't know if you can hear me, but if you can, I just want you to know you may not have been much of a father, but I really wish you were alive right now. That way you could be in here instead of me. Yeah, Worf's getting pretty pounded at this point. Jim Hadar. Can we get him out? No time. 
Cardassian. Where is he? Outside, I suppose. <clears throat> he is not outside. Move. <laughs> They're looking under the cushion on this bed. It's like, where do you think he's hiding? What do you want with him? <laughs> it's funny. I guess he could be under the cot, but still. Sir. They found the little pry tool that they've been using on the panel to get it open and closed. You wish to live. Explain this. So now we sw switch back to DS9. That's everybody. Major, Commander, report to the Defiant. Yes, sir. Good luck. To all of us. I think at this Deploy point, too, uh, Nana Visitor was uh, was getting her, her pregnant because her uniform was a little bit loose, a little different. What about Yukon? Prepare for departure. What about Rio Grande and Volga? Stand by. Yukon ready. Engines engaged. Good luck, Yukon. Oh, it's Bashir aboard, uh, using a different voice on one of the runabouts. I think he's making it his, his escape at this point. Sir, I'm picking up a large tachyon buildup. Multiple vectors. Ship's decloaking. And it's a whole bunch of Romulan warbirds. Romulans. They're requesting permission to join the fleet. I'll be damned. Permission granted. Defiant to ops. Go ahead, Major. Sensors have just detected Dominion and Cardassian ships entering Bajoran space. ETA, 10 minutes. So it's going to be quite a party there on Deep Space Nine. So. I'll ask you for the last time. What is this? It's either a self-sealing stem bolt or a reverse ratcheting router. I'm just not sure. He just blasted a Klingon. Sorry, a Klingon, a Vulcan. Sir! If you'll allow me. Garrick is still inside the panel, and the Cardassians have, uh, sorry, not the Cardassians, I'm going crazy. <laughs> the Jem'Hadar discovered the loose panel. Worf is still fighting, but he ain't going down easy. Worf, honor has been satisfied. Stay down. Of course, Worf won't do that. So he ta taps the pole, which basically means he's getting back up again. Finish this.
And now the uh, Jem'Hadar. What do you see? He found an open panel here I and got nothing. inside. It's dark. The Breen just grabbed one of the guns. There's only one Jem'Hadar left, and, and Julian stabs him with a knife. My people have a saying. Never turn your back on a Breen. Doctor, would you keep the noise down? I'm trying to work in here. Garak, how many Transtatus circuits have you got left? Three. But work fast, because pretty soon we're going to be up to our necks in Jem'Hadar. Worf's knocked down pretty hard this time. Enough, Klingon. You have proven your worth. Worf, you heard him. Enough. I will not yield. What are you waiting for? End this. It's over. It is not over. You heard him? I yield. You what? I yield. I cannot defeat this Klingon. All I can do is kill him. And that no longer holds my interest. Shoot them both. Got it. So the minute uh, Garrick activated that, the runabout uh, beamed all of them up because it locked in on everyone who wasn't a Jem'Hadar, I think. Take him to one of the cabins in the back. I'll be with you as soon as I can. Took Worf, Martok, the Vulcan. Garrick. Bashir, Garrick. She did well. So did you. Take us to maximum warp, Garrick. We've got to get a message to the station. Dominion fleet should be in visual range. On screen. Where are they? According to their warp signatures, they should be right there. Some kind of cloaking device? I didn't know the Dominion had them. Or the Cardassians, for that matter. I'm picking up additional warp signatures. Bearing 183 mark 97, 244 mark 12, 302 Mark 133. Defiant to Ops. Go ahead. According to our sensor readings, there are Dominion ships all around us, but we can't see them or get any kind of targeting lock. We're reading the same thing. They're everywhere. What are your orders, Captain? Chief, I need targets. I'm trying, but I can't get anything. We may have to wait for them to open fire and then... Captain, I'm picking up a priority one message from the Gamma Quadrant. It's Dr. Bashir. Bashir? Computer, locate Dr. Bashir. Dr. Bashir is not on the station. What was his last known location? Dr. Bashir's last known location was runabout pad E. Cisco to Defiant. Go ahead. Major, you have new orders. I want you to find the Yukon and destroy it at any cost. Is that clear? Yes, sir. Commander, the Yukon is headed straight for the Bajoran sun. 
It's shields are holding. How can that be? Looks like someone's been doing some modifications to the Yukon. I'm also picking up large amounts of trilithium, tekasite, and protomatter on board. A bomb. If it explodes inside the sun, it could trigger a supernova. Wipe out the entire fleet, the station, and Bajor. We have to use the tractor beams. We're too far away. I want to bet. Take us to warp. Inside a solar system? If we don't, there won't be a solar system left. warp short uh, distance there to pull that uh, runabout away. The runabout's been destroyed. If the sun had gone Nova, it would have wiped out the Dominion fleet too. Chief, scan for those warp signatures again. Captain? They're gone, aren't they? All I'm reading is normal background radiation. The warp signatures must have been faked. The Dominion's real fleet never left Cardassian space. This was all an elaborate trap, an attempt to destroy the station and Bajor and cripple the Federation and Klingon fleets without ever firing a shot. Tell our friends out there to stand down. Armageddon will have to wait for another day. Zia? I told you I'd be back. I never doubted it. Yeah, they're all back now. Cool. Four weeks? Are you telling me I've been hanging around with the Changeling for over a month? <laughs> and you never even suspected it wasn't me? No. The worst part is, the clues were right in front of me. What clues? Well, for one thing, you... It's a lot easier to get along with. <sighs> yeah, he was a little so nicer. I suppose this means you want your Klingon opera collection back. Intact. More or less. So Dax and Worf are reunited. Everybody's back. Treaty and the continued dominion threat to the Alpha Quadrant. There will be a permanent Klingon military presence on this station. But I choose the commander. Agreed. Mr. Worf thinks very highly of you, General. I think very highly of him. Then I can't think of a better man for the job, if you'll take it. I would be honored. Ops to Cisco. Cisco here. You're receiving an incoming message. It's from Dukat. Well, Captain, I must congratulate you. If that proto-matter device had gone off inside the sun, well, the death toll would have been enormous. And your daughter would have been one of the casualties. Zial made her choice. As far as I'm concerned, She's no longer my daughter. Sure, you know, Dukat, I thought yeah, you'd changed in the last five years. I sure. see I was wrong. One man's villain is another man's hero, Captain. You should see the monument they're erecting in my honor at the gateway to the Imperial Plaza. 
Is that why you sold out your people to the Dominion? For a monument? What I did, I did to make Cardassia strong again. And mark my words, Captain, I succeeded. You may have escaped defeat this day, but tomorrow... We will see about tomorrow. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Ah, uh, you're gonna lose anyway in the end, Ducat. We all know that, so... And that's the episode, uh... Yeah, I like this one a lot. Has that sort of great escape feel, you know, Worf's fighting the Jem'Hadar, Garrick's trying to get him out of there, and then this stuff going on in the station, bringing the Klingons into the fight, sort of bringing the Romulan just kind of show up, the Changeling stuff. It's just a solid episode, solid second part to this two-part little story. Um, and uh, Dukat's, you know, he keeps going back and forth, you know, is he, is he on your side, is he not on your side? But uh, in this case, of course, he's always only on his own side, really, truthfully. And sometimes if that looks better for you and or for co coincides with that, that's, uh, you know, that's okay, too. So, all right, I'm going to take a uh, very short break. I'll come back and we'll wrap up uh, the podcast for today. Hi, this is Chase Masterson from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi Podcast. Okay, next week on Treks and Sci-Fi, you are going to have a guest cast. You're going to have Chris and Meds here talking about Doctor Who, specifically talking about the the Doctor Who 50th anniversary special that I saw at Austin Comic Con a couple of weeks ago. And they will be talking about that episode and a few other things, I'm sure, as well. So that'll be next week. Also next weekend, though, we are going to be recording... Kind of a special Skype cast uh, that's going to be being recorded. Uh, we're going to do it on December 14th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and on Skype. And we're going to be just talking about, uh, you know, Christmas coming and some of the year gone by, some of the things we enjoyed at the movies, TV, other things we did over the year. Uh, talk about some of the movies coming up this holiday season and, uh, you know, just have some fun, relax, play some Rick Moyer is going to be there and play some Trekmas music and all that. So that's if you want to join in in that, that's going to be on Skype. Uh, my handle there is TrekSF, and that'll be a next Saturday again, the 14th at 7 p.m. That that's going to be released in two weeks as a podcast, and then the end of December, the 29th, we're going to do the video cast for uh, about all of our. Uh, secret santa gift exchange stuff which some people should be receiving those gifts if you've got any questions if you participated in that got any questions about that uh just shoot me a pm or an email at treksf at gmail.com i know some people couldn't include a note on their uh, gifts of when they sent them uh, you know who they're from so i can help that uh clear those all up i've got the master list right here so that's probably about it for this week, everyone. Uh, a couple last-minute things. Uh, please uh, take a look at the forum. If you want to join there, just shoot me an email. I can set you up. Also, we have a Facebook group, Treks in Sci-Fi. It's facebook.com slash Treks in Sci-Fi. Uh, join us there. We've got a lot of cool stuff there, photos being put up from the convention and other things, and a whole lot more. And uh, also iTunes reviews, PayPal donations, all that other good stuff you can always find over at treksandsci-fi.com. So thanks, everyone, so much for listening this week uh, to the podcast, and I'll be talking to you again real soon. Bye-bye. 
This has been a Rick Dosti Podcast production.